Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. And uh, we've been working through it a chapter at a time. We've covered a lot of ground uh, in the uh, over three years that we've been doing it. We've done all of the Gospels. We've done the book of Acts. And uh, we've done most of Paul's letters up to this point now. We're just, uh, we're riding into the last few and, uh, that, that we have left. We have um, Philippians, which we're going to do. And then we have the letters uh, to Timothy and Titus and, uh, uh, and, and uh, I think that's it. So we're, we're getting close to the end of the Pauline letter um, that were written. We, we, we did the letters here because uh, we had, uh, in the book of Acts, a long time ago now, studied the missionary journeys of Paul. And uh, we saw how he had, uh, on those journeys, started all these churches all over the known world at the time. And now he's writing back to them. And he's... Um, He's answering questions for them. He's correcting issues. He's dealing with a lot of situations. Um, it's good to look at those things in that context because they were written for a time and place. They still apply today, but you have to make sure that you hold them into the context that they were written. We still have a lot of the same church, uh, situations going on in the church that they had 2,000 years ago. Um, certainly the same issues haven't changed much. And, uh, and so the advice back then is, is still very relevant today as advice goes for us. And, um, and so we've watched him deal with a lot of very difficult situations along the way and, and uh, a lot of issues. Um, the book to the Philippians is a little bit different. This letter that he writes back to the church in Philippi is different from the other letters. He wrote this early A.D. 63. We, we believe he wrote it from um, the house um, where he was under house arrest in Rome where he wrote you know, quite a few letters during that period of time. He had a couple of years to kind of sit and write. Couldn't do much else. And... Uh, um, this letter is the, the, one of the exceptions where when he writes to the church in Philippi, he doesn't seem to be writing to deal with any particular problems, nor is he writing to correct uh, any particular situations that have uh, come to his attention. What he's doing is, uh, uh, in this letter, he's basically just sharing uh, how much he appreciates uh, the church in Philippi as his friends, how cool it is to be a uh, laborer with them in Christ, and all that that means to him. And uh, uh, the main theme throughout this entire letter in the book of Philippians is joy. It's one of joy and rejoicing. And so it's a, it's a really neat letter to read. I, I love the fact that uh, uh, Paul writes a letter about joy while he's really not in the best of circumstances and situations. Um, he is under house arrest. Uh, certainly that could be worse um, uh, because he was allowed some visitors and some things like that going on. But he's basically been stopped from the ministry that he had for so long over an issue that, was, uh, that took place in Jerusalem. And if you remember, it was a, a false issue raised by the religious leaders that um, got Paul initially arrested and um, already been through a couple of sort of um, um, pre-trials, if you would, um, uh, in, in the officials that could deal with it and uh, they weren't handling it well because of the pressure and so Paul appeals to, um, to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen and, and so they ship him off to Rome and now he's been sitting in house arrest for a couple of years. Um, we, we do know from history, it's not the end of Paul, he does get out and... Um, spend some more time doing ministry, but then he gets imprisoned again um, after a couple of years and, and uh, he, he, uh, he goes to be with the Lord shortly thereafter. So in the context of Philippians, he writes, uh, even in this first chapter, that um, uh, he, he says something fascinating. He says, you know, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
And um, he is so settled in the fact that God is involved in every aspect of his life, that he lives his life to the fullest. He's in no hurry to get it back behind him. But, um, but he knows that when he does step into the, to, to, uh, to the next uh, phase of his journey, that it's all good. And he's very settled in that. And, and you know, there's something about that concept. Um, if we have to get settled in the eternal in order to really come to life in the temporal. And we talk about this a lot, and this book is perfect for that. How, how often we get stuck in temporary things and miss out on the bigger picture. And temporary things are just that, they're temporary. And yet they often consume us. We get stuck in the day-to-day of our lives and just trying to sort of survive. And we miss out then on the, the adventure that life is, the, the calling that God has for us, the joy that we can experience. Because in the temporary um, things of life, it's hard to get um, and experience joy. Because uh, to experience joy in the temporary, your circumstances have to all line up. And uh, you have to get most of your circumstances in a good place to experience joy in the temporary. And I don't know about you, it just doesn't happen all that often. Um, But in the eternal, our joy comes from the understanding that we're with Christ and we always will be. And that life has meaning and purpose. And and, uh, that allows us then to begin to experience real joy even in the midst of, of somewhat less than ideal circumstances. And that's the difference. And, and Paul really talks about that in this letter. And, and uh, it's what we'll be talking about and touching on in our time together. So remember, throughout these four chapters, his main theme is joy and rejoicing. So let's read it. Uh, Philippians 1, 1 through 30. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Those Bibles are in the rows if you want to follow along. We had a sheet in the back. You could grab that um, or uh, you can just listen to my smooth, mellow tone. (laughs) Sorry. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am here, but I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. 
And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but of a sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here, that I still have. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's dig into um, Philippians together, briefly this first chapter, and uh, talk about it together. In the first five verses, um, he he, uh, starts with a prayer and a greeting. And um, in this concept of joy, um, what we need to understand is that the source of joy in the life of a believer is our relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's where we find and experience joy. Knowing that we're in relationship with him, um, that we always will be, knowing what that means, knowing that he loves us and uh, that he demonstrated it for us on the cross, knowing that he's with us and for us, um, knowing that um, he understands us, knowing that, um, that uh, you know, we have access to the throne room because of what he's done. Um, all these things um, should at all times help us to experience a measure of joy. We've talked about uh, joy in the past sometimes, and I, I want to make sure um, in, in the discussion that you know a difference. Um, joy is not always the, that, um, that happy, skippy, outward, woohoo thing. That can be joy, but it's not always what joy looks like. Um, uh, joy that we experience in the Lord, especially when we're going through difficult things, is this um, inward settledness deep in our souls that knows that he's got us. And that even though it's difficult and hard and the things that we go through are hard, because, you know, uh, you, you can't, uh, you, some things are grievous, you're grievous. You know, there's, some things hurt, some things are sad, some things, um, you know, loss is difficult. Uh, unmet longings are hard for us. Uh, we, have, we have issues and struggles and... and uh, 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 and, and so we can't be, you know, all, you know, like football rally pretend happy at those moments. But, but joy is, is something far deeper. And it's, it is that place of settledness that just knows that everything here is temporary. And that what's waiting for us, like Paul said, is so amazing and so cool. And that while we wait, he's with us and for us. And he wants us to experience full and abundant life. Don't get me wrong. But, but uh, that's where that joy comes from. It's a, it's a deeper settledness in him. 
Uh, and it comes from our relationship with him. In John 15, 10 through 11, it's not on the notes, I know, but you can write down a, a few extra verses just for you to look at. Uh, he says this, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15, 10 and 11. So, so we listen to him. We do what he says. His joy is in us and our joy is complete. Joy is also produced in us by the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of his presence in our lives. It says in Galatians 5, 2, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. There it is, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and on and on, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, this joy is something that is produced in us by the Spirit. So it's, the, it's his joy produced in us by the Spirit. So as believers, you know, we should always experience a measure of joy. Again, not the fake stuff, but a, but a settledness that knows that we're his. That doesn't mean we, we don't have difficult things. It just means we know that he's with us. It's not dependent on external circumstances. It's an overflow of salvation. Um, and, and look, here's some difficult situations that the early church was going through, and yet they experienced joy. Acts 13, 50 through 52. Um, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from, that, from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they hadn't, their ministry hadn't gone the way they'd hoped. Um, they faced persecution and opposition, and yet they were still filled with joy because the Lord was with them. 2 Corinthians 7.4 I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. That's the Apostle Paul, right? Again, in all my troubles, and Paul experienced a lot of them. My joy, he says, no, knows, knows no bounds. It's not based on external circumstances. And so, uh, joy is a, an important part of our life, and um, it really it helps us to know that we're, we're getting more settled and focused on the eternal than we are on the temporary. Because there's not, uh, as, it's very hard to experience joy here. Like I said, because things, things in the temporary change all the time. You know, if, if uh, uh, th that word uh, happiness comes from happenstance, which comes from circumstance. And so a lot of those things then are, are um, uh, sort of uh, have to have all our circumstances right in order to experience it. And then, like I said, it just doesn't happen that often. But, but in, in the eternal, um, our joy is made complete in him. It's from Jesus, produced by the Holy Spirit, and it's really apart from these circumstances. So stuff to think about. Then he goes on in verses 6 through 19, um, and he talks about God continuing to work in us, um, that he's, he's for us and in us through our entire lives. And uh, I don't know about you, but to me that's very good news. Um, he is not done with us yet. Aren't you, aren't you glad about that? Uh, you know, uh, you haven't arrived yet. We, we, we won't fully arrive until we're with him face to face. But this work for us by God began at the cross when Jesus died in our place. And his work in us started when we first believed and continues as we yield to the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So you know, this is important, I think, because um, sometimes we'll experience discouragement in our walk with Christ. And yet, by knowing that when God starts a project, he, he will finish it. And that's good. He won't give up on you. Because we're, we're not always good at finishing what we start, are we? Any of you got half-started projects? Quarter-started projects? 
projects that you've put off that you haven't started that you know you need to. Um, We're not always good about finishing what we start, but God is. Now, he may not do it on our timetable, but he'll do it. And, And so we need to know that. God is faithful to finish what he starts. And the work that he started in you when you came to Christ, the work that really started in effect at the cross, he will bring to completion in you. And it's an ongoing work. So, you know, sometimes I think we get discouraged, we get frustrated, we think we should be further along, we, we think, you know, um, we have all, but, but just know that uh, you continue to yield to the Spirit, He'll continue to work in you, and, and um, God will continue this work in you throughout your entire life. It's an ongoing work. I like that. Because, I, I, uh, you know, the, the idea that we've um, arrived gets us in a really bad spot because then we, we get to... Uh, We start thinking we're better than everybody else. And the idea that we'll never arrive gets us in a bad spot too because we get frustrated and we just give up and say, well, what difference does it make? Neither one of those is healthy. The healthy balance is an attitude of humility, knowing we need the mercy and grace of God to continue to work in us, yielding to the Spirit as he transforms us over the course of our lives. And I like that. I'm I'm happy about that. I'm... uh, I'm happy that he's at work in me. I think about that all the time. One of the things I'm thankful for very often is that he's still at work in me. And that, because um, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. And, and uh, he, he's faithful. I'm glad about that. Because I'm, I'm apparently not the easiest person to work with all the time. Philippians, um, then he goes on in chapter 1, verses 20 through 34. And uh, he, he really, he's talking about here, um, uh, Sometimes, in, in what we just talked about, we get a little discouraged. Um, where some people go is they start wondering what life is really all about. It's a pretty normal um, sort of uh, question that people have. Um, what's it all about? And, and then they start trying to figure it out, usually by doing a whole lot of temporally based things, trying to f- figure out where, where life is and, and what it's all about. But you, you, you don't really find life there. Um, uh, and we touched on this earlier. Life is found as we, as we gain an eternal perspective. Uh, real now and forever life in Christ is found with this balance knowing that um, uh, it's walking into the life that he has for us that, that is really the life that will be satisfying to us. And that a life in Christ is a life with purpose. All of you were created by God to live a life of purpose and meaning. And um, once we sort of figure that out, he very, is very good about helping us begin to move in those things and um, to, to uh, do the things that he's, he's called us to. Paul's purpose was to speak out boldly for Christ. And he said, you know, I'm going I'm to preach a good news and I want to become more like him in my life. That was what Paul's calling and mission was. And all of us have a, a, some of that. But, but you know, we have, we have different purposes. We have different gifts. We have different things that we bring to the body. But it's in, it's in moving into those things that we find life. When our, if our focus is always trying to get everything in, in our temporary worlds to work out, we're always going to be frustrated because it just won't. But, but we can move into these other things. So, so we have a purpose and a mission that we've been created for. And, and it goes far beyond just trying to survive every day. Uh, it, it breaks us free of the trap of being consumed by the temporary and opens us up then to the eternal life. So, so this life that we're shooting at is found in him. 
So as we, as we study this book together, as we look at Philippians together, um, I want to encourage you to, to read it and to, to see what Paul's going through and to read every time he talks about joy. He does it a lot. You, either it says rejoice or rejoice, that you look at those things. And, and, uh, and then in your own life, you, you start to, you know, sort of evaluate um, how you're doing. Are you experiencing a measure of joy in your life? You should be. I mean, if you're not, how come? And, and is, is the reason that you're not because there's so many temporary things that are dragging you down that you, you can't you sort of tap into the bigger picture. And that if that's the case, then I would encourage you to sort of begin to refocus and begin to realize that, there's, that, that God is so faithful that, that when, we, when we start moving towards the life he's called us to, he takes care of the temporary stuff. And he's way better at it than we are. Um, if, if, if it's on you to do it, you're not going to do it very well. But, but if, it's, if you say, okay, God, I'm just going to trust in you, and I'm going to walk this out for you, and, and uh, I'm going to do you know, what you tell me to do and, and do the best with this stuff, but I'm not going to let it consume me, um, you begin to be available to all sorts of stuff. The, the Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. All these things. And he was talking about clothing and and food and all the stuff that seems to consume us. All the temporary things. If we get our focus right, he takes care of that stuff. Um, And and he's way better at it than we are. And when you kind of can settle on the fact that he's got you and he will now and forever, you can begin to experience a measure of joy even when difficult circumstances take place. That's what Paul's writing about. And that's what we'll be talking about in the weeks ahead. But that's enough for uh, getting us started today. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. We know how valuable your time is and, uh, and we hope you come and visit us sometime. If you need prayer, go to the Vineyard website at keysvineyard.com, hit the prayer page, send us a contact from there and we will pray for you. Other than that, um, we'll, we'll see you again soon.